0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Uh, John chapter 5, we'll start at the beginning, verse 1. And um, you can follow along on the screen. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Now, anytime there is the youth, of the word feast, you have my attention. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. If you're taking notes, I've titled the message this afternoon, Pool Party. We're going to have some fun here today. Can you pray with me one final time? Father God, we're so grateful. We just pray this afternoon that you would speak through me. You would speak to the hearts, God, that we would be able to understand and fully see your miraculous hand and your healing power through this story in our own individual hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen? Amen. Now there are two types of people In this world, there's age-old debates about the Coke versus Pepsi people. Or, similarly, there's the In-N-Out person versus the Shake Shack person. Now, I've yet to go to Shake Shack, but I've heard there's some Shake Shack loyalists. Anyone Shake Shack over In-N-Out? Okay, okay. now, Now, there's also the debate of dog versus cats or... Samsung or Android versus iPhone is there even a debate there It's like you text someone in green you're like seriously there's like no Wi-Fi in my house and it doesn't get through but You know, and there's like several different debates. I'm more of like a dog versus no pets and I end up on the ladder because I'm like, I can't have a dog. I'd rather just have like another human to take care of. I'm not saying that prophetically, but we have three kids if you don't know us. It's like six in LA, but that's okay. Um, There's also a debate about pools versus ocean. Okay, we live in a beautiful west coast scenic ocean area where we can actually drive to see the beach a lot of the middle of the country they they have this trapped feeling where the ocean or the water is not by them but we have the luxury and the beauty to behold this amazing amazing Pacific coastline nearby now there are there are people that would say like oh I love the beauty I love God's creation I love nature I love the beach and then there would be the argument of I like the pool it's clean I don't get sand in my car or in my house or in my bathroom or down the drain or in every part everywhere. (laughs) And so when... When my husband and I first got married, we began this debate. So if you don't know our story, we grew up together. We dated for six months, and we had a three-month engagement, and then we got married. Now, when you grow up with someone, you think you know them, but you don't really know them until you get married. And all my married people said amen. Okay. So now we're at our honeymoon in beautiful Hawaii, feeling so blessed at this scenic, beautiful, picturesque beachfront hotel, just gazing into each other's eyes, and nine months of a total duration of a relationship, we get to this moment. And we're having these amazing conversations. And when you're new in a marriage or new in a relationship even, you have this sense of like, I'm just going to serve and please the other person. If they ask me what I want to do, I'm going to be like, no, babe, what do you want to do? And you just go back and forth and then you find yourself watching college football in the middle of your honeymoon and being like, yes, I totally want to watch football in Hawaii on my honeymoon, because I love you, and I want to serve you. (laughs) I do love football, but... And so you find yourself going back and forth and be like, no, babe, whatever. And Chad's like, okay, we're going to, do you want to do the pool today or do you want to do the beach? Now he is like an all pool guy, does not like to get in the sand, does not like to get dirty, likes to lay by the pool. Someone brings him food. So, you know, like opens his book, doesn't talk to his new wife. Wait, I sound really bitter, but I'm not, it was amazing. (laughs) We have three children. Did I mention that? Okay. (laughs) So what happens is like day by day, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. What do you want to do today? He's like, I'm just feeling the pool. I'm like, yeah, me too. Totally. Pool, pool day. Perfect. And then it's like day six. And I'm like, okay, you know. Cool day again like this is fine this is great like whatever you want to do I love you I serve you I'm I'm gonna kill this wife thing like I'm nailing it so like you get this like bubble of expectation and then envision which I later learn is like a swear word in marriage and then you like it turns into like like internal crazy and then all of a sudden on day seven we're at this it's our final night on our honeymoon we're at this beautiful dinner resort like sun kiss from the sun I should be so grateful and then here comes this this emotional vomit like starts like welling up and I have tears like streaming down my face and he's like oh no oh no oh no this is our honeymoon what's wrong, which is like a scary thing to ask, you know, like, are you okay? Like, I just had an expectation of a more adventurous honeymoon. I really want to go to the beach and go snorkeling and go boogie boarding and like swim with the dolphins and like, you know, like get lay in the sand. He's like, why didn't you say anything? And I'm like, oh no, like I just, I wanted to do what you wanted to do. Okay, any married people here? Okay, okay, you getting this. So now fast forward, the tape about a year into our marriage, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying like my exercise routine. I get really adventurous, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna sign up for a triathlon. Well, I can do the run, and I, am like, I can, I can go to spin class, so I can totally do the bike. But I don't own a bike, so I just rented a mountain bike. I'm like, this works, right? Okay, and then, um, and then I'm like, oh, the swim. Like, sure, I can swim. Whatever. It's like four. 55 miles. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can totally do this swim. So I buy a wetsuit because I heard that's like supposed to help you. Like your legs float. I'm like, that's a heavy part of my body, so we're just gonna let it go up there. And then um, it's sleeveless, so like the arms are really strong. So it's like open water swim. And I'm like, okay, we got this. Here we go. Guns fire, however, they start it. And I like dive into the water and I panic. Because all these people are doing the like face down into the dark, scary water, like swim like this. And I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm out of breath under there and there could be like a shark and like people are swimming over me and I kind of can't breathe so I'm like okay survival so I did two minutes of different swimming rotations all but the standard one that everyone else did so I did backstroke I'm like oh gaze into the sky side scissor we went back to the side scissor a lot and then like what's this one frog That's what I call it. I don't even know if that's what Michael Phelps would call it. I'm looking at Zach. Zach would know what this is called. What's this called? Frog? We? Froggy? (laughs) No, the butterfly's like this. I ain't doing that. Okay. So I'm doing this side scissor or whatever. I'm just trying to get to my finish line. And I have this epiphany. I'm like, Chad is right. I'm not going to tell him that. But he is right. I'm like, there are benefits about the pool. It is clean. You can see the bottom. There's no sand. It's refreshing. It's like sanitary, if you know what I mean. These, beach, these beaches can get nasty. And um, so I'm like, okay, I see the benefit. I come home. So I have, here we go. Here's it's my confession. I have converted. I am officially a pool girl mm-hmm. any pool pool people pool people okay any beach lovers okay more beach people who like adventure and scenic beauty okay so we find ourselves here in this passage at a different pool let me just paint the picture of what this pool looks like it's about 150 feet by 300 feet And it talks about in the scripture about how the angel comes down and stirs it up, literally until it bubbles and carbonates almost. And then the sick person that was lined up who may have been coming for days, weeks, months, years, starts jumping into the water one by one. And this pool is representing healing power and these people would leave fully healed. And in on this scene, all these people that are fixed on this pool, this body of water, they're so focused on this pool that they don't realize what's happening among them. See, Jesus walks in and no one turns and looks and sees Jesus. He walks into this man who is gazed and his eyes are fixed on this pool, And he wants so desperately to get into that water, but he doesn't understand that the living water is standing behind him. See, I want to encourage you here this afternoon, whether you're at on this debate of pool versus beach, or whether you're literally in a debate within your heart of how you can get to whatever the pool is in your life whether that means counseling or in need of relationship or getting to church whatever seems like the temporary pool in your life that's going to fix you there is a pool that is found in Jesus that is water that is eternal See, we so often get consumed with what we think is going to be our hit. What we consumed with what we think is going to be our quick fix. We get consumed, we get gazed on this. And in John chapter 4, and just previous to this story, in verse 14, the woman The Samaritan woman comes and Jesus says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. See, within you resides a fountain of water. A living water that's represented that Jesus lives in you. And this man was fixed on the temporary water. He didn't he wasn't able to see the miraculous living water that was beside him. Now, in this scripture, I want to point out it doesn't address all the details of his infirmity. It doesn't address the details of what he looked like necessary or how he acted or how he walked. But it does say that he carried that for 38 years. I just want to tell you that it's never, ever too late. And I think Jesus wrote the detail in this passage of his age to represent the significance of the miracle. See, he wasn't only tormented by the duration of the frustration and the pain that it would be to carry illness for 38 years. I think 38 years represents a broken heart. Because when you're overwhelmed by how long you have to walk through something, your heart tends to get sick, and your eyes tend to get blinded by the miracle that's actually standing next to you. You know, before we got married, Chad proposed to me without us ever talking about how how we were gonna get married or getting engaged. We never talked about our future. It was totally traditional. So he proposed without me having any clue of what was to come. And on June 6, 2008, my girlfriend right here, Jasmine and I, we were at a Starbucks in Portland and we were journaling out of Ecclesiastes 3. Now, if you're familiar with that passage, it talks about seasons. And we all live in seasons. We, see, we live in seasons of mourning and dancing and weeping and joy and seasons and seasons and highs and lows. And then at the end of the season stretch, it says in verse 11, that God makes everything beautiful in his time. See, wherever you're at on your journey or in your season... God's timing is the perfect timing, and there is nothing too insignificant or too long or too big that he can't show up and show his miraculous power in. Amen. I grew up in a pastor's home. We didn't have a lot of excess or funds to go out to eat and so my mom cooked meals at home mostly and uh, she stretched her dollar and she's frugal with a combination of christian hippie so if you know that personality type mom if you're listening to the podcast i love you but she would often pull things out of the refrigerator like slightly molded cheese and just cut off the mold, or if there's, like, a spot in the bread, cut a circle. Any poor kids here can relate with the pain? Okay. So... We just made it work, all right? So I have a bit of that, like, oh, like, it's fine in me from my mom instilled that in me. So yesterday, uh, I'm cleaning out my fridge because I'm day two into this 30-day plan. Now, I don't diet. It's like a clean, healthy way of living. Is that what everyone in L.A. says? Um... I'm on day two. Pray for me if I feel a little loopy. I don't, I'm like, Chad's like gone three months without a dessert. I've gone like three days. And it's called hole 30 that hopefully we will make it to hole four. And it's just kind of where we're at. no. I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, right. So we're cleaning out the fridge, and I'm like, ooh, milk expired three days ago. Like, no chunks, no problem. The kids are fine, you know? And I'm like, oh, eggs, five days old. Like, let's just boil them and make hard-boiled eggs. Do we not have, like, a bowl of hard-boiled eggs in our fridge? Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, oh, this is fine. Like, expired. We'll just toss it out. And I'm, like, cleaning the fridge, getting rid of, like, things like, like, amazing things like gluten and sugar and, like, comfort. For foods like that. I'm like, oh, I gotta throw it in the garbage, apparently. Um, but you know, I'm looking at the expiration dates and I'm like, oh my goodness, like all these things have expired. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what doesn't expire? God's promises for us do not expire. His dreams that he's given to us are spoken into our hearts. There's no expiration date on it. It could take 38 years. It could take 38 minutes. It could take three or eight. We don't know. We just, what is the hardest part in the journey is we have to trust in his timing. We have to trust. Ah, it's a scary word. We have to trust and have faith that he is in control. Amen. See, the miracle wasn't necessarily in this place. It wasn't necessarily in the pool. It was in the person of Jesus. You know, this this guy came so often, so regularly, and it talks about how he had been coming there for years and years. And I, I, I drew myself a mental picture of what that looked like. And it talks about in the beginning, it designs the area that there's a sheep gate around this pool. And it says that there are five porches, five being the number of grace. And Bethesda actually means house of grace. And I thought to myself, in the Bible, it's referenced how this gate was actually the first of many gates to be built. And it referenced in Nehemiah. And how these gates were designed to protect sheep. Sheep we know being some of the dumbest animals out there. And then a shepherd being reference to God or Jesus as our shepherd guiding us. So there's this analogy in this picture that I'm getting of this sheep gate where there's people that are likened to dumb animals coming to this gate. And then there's this this house of grace is what they call it. And a great shepherd that is there to protect us and guide us. And they're walking in aimlessly like sheep, breaking through the gate. My baby Mav is uh, crawling so fast and he likes to crawl up the stairs. And so we've done so many makeshift gates in our house. We've used like hard boiled, hard-boiled, hardboiled, it's on my mind, hungry. Okay hard wood boxes or ottoman that I flipped up on a corner or two different baby gates. I've tried everything and this kid just like gets through the gate, runs up the stairs. I'm like, babe, you're going to fall down the stairs. Like quit sneaking through the gate. Not that I'm calling my baby dumb or anything, but people, in essence, we can be like sheep where we wander and we try and get through these barriers that have been set up. See, I don't think necessarily this story is about the miraculous pool. I think this barrier is designed for us to see that God's grace is more sufficient than the regulations that he set. And so we we come to these barriers in life, like these people, and we get so fixated on the thing that we think is going to fix our need. Or gonna solve our issue, or literally gonna be the source for our miracle. But can I just encourage you that that miracle is in a person and not in a place? Let's not be gripped by places, let's not be gripped by things that are temporary. Let's get our eyes focused on the person of Jesus. You with me? Amen. Okay, I love this. And number three, I just wrote down in verse seven, it says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no, no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, but while I am consuming or coming, another steps down before me. See, this man had excuses to his response, but in verse six, he asks, do you want to be made well? He wants us to want it just as much as we do if not more and I just wrote down he wants us to want it as much as he wants it for us because we might be so desperate for our healing or for our miracle or to get a a taste of what will fix where we're currently at But he wants us in all his love and compassion. He wants it more for us. Do I want to be fit? Sure. Do I want to be healthy? Absolutely. Do I want to be lean or whatever? Sure. I want all those things, but do I want the pain of exercising? Do I want the scrutinizing feeling of burpees? Do I want the agony of push-ups? Do I want the burn of, okay, anyone with me on this? No, no. I don't want the pain in the process because it's comfortable to be like, I don't want to sweat because I just washed my hair or I don't want to go to the gym because I've just eaten or like, I can't, I don't want to get, I don't want to be all like dirty for a dinner I have to go. Like, we don't want to mess up our comfortable routine. We don't want the pain in the process. But he asks him so significantly, do you want to? the healing. He doesn't ask, are you in pain? He doesn't ask, is it hard? He doesn't ask. See, we serve a compassionate God that cares. We serve a compassionate God that loves. But we serve a God that is working on your behalf so intentionally that he desires and he wants more than you want you to be healed. So he's committed to your journey. He's there in your process. He's present in your pain. He wants it for you. And I love this picture of him asking in his desperate state, And him, in verse 7, complaining about all his issues. See, the faith can be a painful process for us. And I just thought about how we can be so comfortable on our routine. We can be so comfortable on what our mat is represented. He doesn't even look up in this scripture to see Jesus. Because he's looking so focused on the pool and on the mat. He's looking at two things. He's looking at the thing that is a burden under him. And he's looking at the thing what he thinks might fix him. Let's get uncomfortable. Let's stir up our faith. Let's get a realization that we have an object next to us that is bigger than our objective amen we have a person that's next to us that's bigger than the place we have someone that is with us that will guide us will stir up our faith and is present do you want it this afternoon are you encouraged are you are you feeling like he's with us amen in closing I just thought as I was reading this, I'll invite the band to come up. We're doing a series on Sent to the City, and uh, Chad will be continuing this next week when he's back. I loved what Jesus said in this passage. He said to him in verse 8, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. See, it can take faith to get up. And it can take a lot to lift up our mat. But the walking part, whoo, that's a hard process. Walking, walking out of your miracle. See, the entire point of Jesus performing miracles is that he gets us out of the place that we're in. The entire point is that we have a loving, gracious, good father that wants us so desperately to get out of where we're at into the next season, into the place, into the purposes that he's called us to be. He's called you and I to walk. And I was thinking about this and how it ties with sent to the city, and I just thought, man, what a phenomenal concept that we learn how to walk from our miracle, that we are learning how to be sent and live from our miracle, not for our miracle. If you're new to this community or you've never heard our story, this is your first time to church. I just want you to be at ease. We're all walking in a journey. We're all walking towards something. We're all walking together. My husband and I, our oldest daughter, um, she'll be five in December, I can't believe it, uh, when she was four months old, many of you, many of you have heard this, but she uh, was diagnosed with a rare brain abnormality. And the doctor gave us a a death sentence on that day and said that my daughter would never do this and that and she wouldn't be able to talk or walk and in essence she would have a life that she was um, lying all the time and she was going to require a lot of care and that we would be caregivers for her and i'm so grateful for the community that has rallied behind us and been on this journey and we fully believe in healing we have faith for her healing and that she would be fully restored whether it's on this side of heaven or in heaven but in the first service i was worshiping and i didn't even put this correlation together when i was preparing this message and i was I was picturing my daughter, Georgia, who lays a lot on what would be a mat. Like her mattress, she's, even, she's on different mattresses in our home. She lays a lot on a mat because she herself has a crippling disorder. And I got overwhelmed by the thought of what that would look like if she was in that state for 38 years not because of the pain and the suffering, but what happens to the condition of my soul or my heart when I care for her for that long. And I said, you know, God, like I've settled that you are in control and whether she's healed fully on earth or in heaven, whether she lives 38 years or three more months or three years, I don't know the answer to that. You're ultimately in control and I'm at rest at that. But I thought about how there's been little miracles along the way. See, just last week, her teacher, she's in school, her teacher sent me a video about her having this musical instrument with bells in front of her and how she's this, she's feisty, man, how she's so focused and set on using her right hand to try and hit the bell. And you can see her shaking her hand with intent and strength, trying to use her right hand for the first time. I thought to myself like, whoa, what a picture. You know, it's overwhelming and it's daunting sometimes to think about the things, our sicknesses, our infirmities that grip us and, and suck our soul almost to think, how long do I have to face that, God? How long do we have to endure that? But I thought about, man, what if I learned how to start celebrating the miracles on a day-to-day basis? Because I'm like, I'm like, wow, she can Barely used her right hand on a Monday. And then we get to Tuesday, and I'm just walking out a new miracle. And then I'm walking out a new miracle, and it's Thursday, and it's Friday, and I'm not living from Sunday to Sunday. And I start settling in my heart. What if I start living from my miracle? What if we as a community collectively start living from our miracles? What if we start walking in our job places and say, I'm sick, but God did this, and God did that, and God did it. What if we walk into our family? Where there might be brokenness and heaviness in our homes, and celebrating miracles upon miracles that are taking place. Come on, church, can you stand with me? Let's stop looking at the evidence of his absence and let's start focusing on the evidence of his presence that is here today. God He is a loving Father and if we live from his miracle and start walking to the next miracle, we can do something big. Let's Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church check out our website www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.